because it was what the Lord was dealing with me in my life at that time. When people go to a house, a brand new house, and they invite people over for the first time, you bring people into the house, you look at the master bedroom, and they compliment how nice the kitchen is, the high ceilings, the windows. But no one ever really pays attention to the foundation. It's just not that important. But one thing that Jesus brings in Luke chapter 6 is he brings close attention to the foundation. He, it is very important. And it is important to the stability of the house. And it's important to the stability of your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for bringing us here this morning, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, lead me and guide me, Lord, as I deliver this sermon to your people, Lord, that what will be said is what you want to be said, Lord, and that people will get out of it what you want them to get out of it, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So... This sermon is on two foundations. The two foundations are the foundations of the one that wants to listen and do what God says and the one that wants to listen and just say amen and not do anything with it at all. Me, myself, my history is in restaurants. I've worked in restaurants for probably 15 years of my life, from fast food all the way to full service. And in that, I've seen a lot of different areas of that restaurant, but the one I want to take a special attention to today is the server. There's a table, and there's a server, and we're going to give this server's name Christy, and Christy is working this table, and it's a party of six, it's a family, and my family, we know good servers, we can eye them up right off the top. Christy is, Christy is grooming this table, and she is not just a server, Christy is a master server. Christy sees everything before it happens. She is totally all over this table. Her attitude and her body language just totally lets these people know that they're going to be served and they're going to be served well. Now, with this situation, and you see Christy, and she's handling this table, about three feet behind her, it's not the hostess, it's not the manager, it's the trainee. And his name, we're going to say his name is John. John is back there, and he's got a pad, and he's watching Christy. And he's looking, and he's, he's feeling what she's doing, and he's paying close attention to Christy because he's in training. He wants to see what Christy's doing. He wants to see how she responds to situations. He wants to see how she communicates with the kitchen. What's happening here is he begins by this to value what she values to see what's important to her is going to be what's important to him. This relationship between Christy and John is a trainee-trainer relationship. John is trusting Christy blindly because he knows very little about serving and very little about being an excellent server. But he's in training and he's looking at Christy and he's trusting her. And if he follows his training, one day he will be able to serve like Christy serves. He'll be able to make that kind of money that Christy makes. But he has got to follow Christy and it's training. Well, this really isn't about restaurant work. This is not what the sermon is about. What this sermon is actually about is discipleship. 
It's about that relationship that we have between ourselves and Christ. Jesus' popularity in Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be working at today. Jesus' popularity is soaring. He is moving out of Galilee, and there are hundreds of people that are coming to find out about Jesus. He is healing the sick and relatives. He's healing people of leprosy. He's healing the paraplegic. He's casting out demons. Rumors about him. Crowds are swarming. There's a multitude around Jesus. And we'll get this, this picture of Jesus is here. There's a crowd. But right close to Jesus are his disciples. Those are, and not just his 12, not just Bartholomew, Simon, Peter, Andrew, not just those, but there's the 12 disciples, and then there's like 70 disciples around him. And the New Testament says that Jesus sent out 35 by two, 70 disciples out into various cities to do his bidding for him. So we're looking at 12 disciples, then we're looking at 70 disciples, and we're looking at disciples around them, a multitude of people, people rumors, people want to get healed. There's a lot of people around them, but what Jesus is addressing here in Luke chapter 6, he's talking to his disciples. And with that, let's start with Luke chapter 6, verse 40. And in verse 40, it says, A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Wow. That's that John and Christie relationship. If John follows Christie, he's going to be able to serve like Christie. What God is telling us here is that if we follow what he says, we are going to be like him. We're not going to be above him, but we're going to be able to serve. We're going to be able to be like Christ. We're going to be able to interact with people the way he does. This is a disciple-teacher relationship. It's a trainee-trainer relationship. The Bible uses student-teacher, but I didn't want to get mixed up in the academics. So I could have used apprentice and journeyman, but I don't want people thinking about Donald Trump. And so um, I just wanted to go with the trainee-trainer type so that you can know you're going to have to be trained. Just like the John and Christie situation, and there is no way to follow Jesus without getting into a trainee-trainer relationship. And I'll repeat that. There is no way to follow Jesus without getting into a trainee-trainer relationship. He stands, he watches, he listens, he takes notes, he imitates for the purpose of being like the person he's training, or the person that he wants to, to, to be a trainee to. Now, there's a boatload of times, people, that this just doesn't happen in our Christian life. When we ask people, what does it mean to be a Christian, a lot of people say, well, I don't go to church and I go to church now. I don't cuss anymore. I don't cuss people out anymore. I got married in a church. I was baptized. My whole family are churches. My whole family goes to church. My whole family is, are Christians. And so I'm just kind of going to go through the motions and that's going to make me a Christian. And I want to associate with Christ on that level of just because my family is. And so I've even gone as far as some people think they're Christians because they listen to Christian radio. 
There are a ton of people who call themselves Christians and try to attach themselves to Christianity with zero interest in becoming a trainee. Zero interest. No one wants to change what they're doing. Training is going to take time. If someone was training for a marathon that runs 26 miles, I doubt whether anybody, maybe one or two of you, I doubt anybody could run that marathon tomorrow. I doubt that. I think there'd be paramedics at about mile one. But my brother, who ran a marathon for six months, he ran 10 miles a day. And then as he got closer to it, he was running 15 miles a day. He never really got to that 26 as he was waiting for the big day, because that's a lot of work. But he was, that's constant training. You're going to have to change what you usually do to get this done. So with this, Christianity without discipleship is deadly, and it's lethal. And a lot of people are deceiving themselves and thinking that without following Christ and doing what he says, it's Christianity. It's not. In the Bible, Christian is mentioned three times. And if you guys want to know where it is, I'll tell you right quick. We don't have to look. It's Acts 26, 28, Acts 11, 26, and 1 Peter 4, 16. And do you know that the word disciple is mentioned 269 times in the Bible. But with the word Christian, we, they didn't call themselves that. People from the outside call them that. And what it is, it's Christ imitators. They were like, these people are imitating Christ. Those folks there, those disciples, those are Christ imitators. They're, remember Jesus? They're kind of acting like him. They're doing what he was doing. They're acting like he was doing. Now, in Jesus' mind, as he's talking here to his disciples, there is not a concept in the Bible where Jesus, you are identified with Jesus and you are not in training. And I'll say that in Jesus' mind, there is not a concept where you can identify with him and not be in training. And not be in a discipleship, servant, trainee, student mode. So the challenge today with a mass amount of people that are attaching themselves to Christ and attaching themselves to Christianity is the zero interest in training, the zero interest in being a disciple, but yet and still they still want to call themselves Christians. So now, folks, we have the multitude here, we have the crowd here, and Jesus is addressing his disciples, and we know that he says that if you follow your training, you will be like me. Now, Jesus, at the very beginning here of his ministry, as he's talking here, this is like one of his first big sermons. This is not a new problem. Jesus seen this right out of the gate. One person's going to hear what Christ says, and they're going to want to reorganize their life. They're going to want to hear what God says and want to change everything. Something's going to start inside of them, and they're going to hear, and they're going to be, I want to do that. And they're going to call on the Lord, and they're going to change their lives. They're going to want to reorganize their life, reorganize their thought pattern toward what Christ wants. And then there's the other person that's going to sit back, say amen, with no intention whatsoever of making any change whatsoever. But they're going to look side to side and think these folks better be paying attention. But they, in their hearts and minds, aren't thinking about change at all. This is that foundation of discipleship, and Jesus makes a clear contrast with this. And he does this in Luke chapter 6, verse 47 and 48, and I'll read those for you. 
and Luke chapter 6, verse 47. I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when the flood came and the torrent struck the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. Now, this person that hears what God says and puts it into action, this person builds their house on a firm foundation. And people, this is a difficult situation to do. This is not easy. And that firm foundation, that bedrock, the definition of that bedrock is that solid rock under the ground. After you get through all the soil and all the sand and all the dust, it's that rock underneath that doesn't move. And that rock, just so we all know, 1 Corinthians 3.11, we'll just turn to that really quickly so we can have a foundation on what that rock is. In 1 Corinthians 3.11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. So now we know exactly where that foundation is. Now, with this, with this, that house is going to be well built. And so we can get the idea of when they talk about building down the bedrock, what has to be done is you have to dig down to that rock that's unmovable. And like if you were on a mountain, you might not have to dig too hard. Sometimes that bedrock is actually exposed and you don't have to build. And if you look in some of those European cities, how cities are built on the side of a mountain because that bedrock is exposed and you can build on that. Now, sometimes if you're in the valley, you're going to have to dig down like 10 feet before you get to that bedrock. But building on that bedrock is the only way that that house is going to stand. And how that concept is, is you dig the circumference of the house, and that first rock that you set down is going to be on bedrock. And you build that foundation. You put mortar on the rocks, and you build it up like a bricklayer, and you build that up above the surface of the ground, and that's going to hold your house. So when it gets wet and the waters come and they rain, that is secure on the foundation, which is Christ. Now, my dad just got back from Israel, and he showed me a little piece of bedrock. And so I did a little research, and I found out that Israel has some of the hardest clay in the world. It's sun-baked all day, and it takes like a, a, a hammer, a pickaxe, and a shovel to get through this clay. I mean, it, it's hard work to get through this clay. You don't even touch the bedrock. We're just chipping the clay away. Now, if this is so hard to dig, well, and it's so hard, well, why don't we just build on that? You know, I mean... You're not the first person to think, I'll just build here. It seems pretty solid. So, let's go to Luke 6.49, and we'll maybe find out exactly why. And In Luke 6.49, it says, But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And the moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. And its destruction was complete. That means you can't build on that anymore. It's done. It's a pile of rubble. 
And how this happens is that that clay is super hard. And let's say that you built that foundation on that clay. Well, when the winter starts to thaw and that clay starts to get wet, it becomes the consistency of chocolate pudding. So that house that we built and we got the kids in, what's going to happen is that water's going to start to rise. And that first rock on the corner, water's going to swell around and that first rock is going to start to slip. That wall's going to start to buckle. You're going to hear stuff start cracking. You better get the kids out the house. This, this one's a wrap. So what Jesus is saying is that one that listens without action, this is you. This is what's going to happen, folks. And as that house comes down and that destruction happens and you see that it's complete, it's going to be frustrating. It's going to be catastrophic. And it's going to be complete. Both people were listening to Christ. They both heard the exact same thing. Both of these people were disciples. Both of them had decided they were going to follow Jesus. Both of these people were in church. They both heard the same thing. The challenge for me and what God had really made to me is, am I listening? Am I in training for Christ? Am I attaching myself to Christ for the benefits, but not for the work? Did I want to be delivered and not be a disciple? Do I want to be saved and not be a servant? These things are coming to mind, and I'm like, you know, Lord, I, I, don't, I don't want to be that person. I want to build my house on the rock. I want to build my house on a firm foundation. And what James says in James 1 22, not just to be a hearer of the word, but a doer. And I just don't want to hear God's word and absorb it all and not want to put it into action. And even here at Akron Alliance, before I got involved in the sound ministry, I was just sitting getting fat. I was listening to the word. I'd been to a bunch of churches. And when I heard, when I got back into town, I heard Pastor Brown, I'm like, wow, he's preaching the word. I like this. And so I just sat back right where my mom is sitting and just soaked it up every single Sunday until Vic told me to get involved. And Vic got me back in that sound room, praise the Lord. But the Lord said, don't just be here to get involved. What we're getting at now by being a doer of the word is the challenge of discipleship. Because this is not easy. It's not easy at all. God said in his word in Psalms that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God said he's going to deliver us out of every single one. What God wants for us is to examine ourselves and look at our lives and see where our lives don't align with what God wants. Where there's an area of opportunity for us to follow Lord, us to follow what Jesus says. Jesus is looking for a heart that says, I will follow you, Lord. I will follow you, Lord. I will follow you, Lord. With every fiber of my being, with everything that I'm going through, I will follow you. This is going to take some undoing. Because some of these changes that are going to be made are years, decades. There are some in culture, some we were raised, some we were trained, some we don't know the difference between what we should do for the Lord and what we just naturally do. 
right here, and this really caught me, and I, I, this, I had to go before the pastor with this one, is right before he tells them about the foundations, Jesus says this to his disciples. In Luke 6, 46, he said, Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Wow. Wow, that, that kind of cuts right to the quick. Um, why do you call me Lord and you don't want to do what I say? And there's a, there's a lot of reasons why, why we don't. Um, I, I, I kind of, as we were raised and we sit down at church and, or we sit down at dinner and we're all holding hands and we're getting ready to say grace and we say, Dear Lord, and if Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you calling me Lord and you don't do what I say? And we're praying to dear Lord, hey, 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 stop. Stop right there. Why are you calling me Lord and you don't do what I ask and you're not following what I say? So I started looking and wondering why we don't do what God says. And one of the first reasons I came up with is I don't like being told what to do. You can ask my dad. Um, I did. I, I got a problem with it. I want to do my thing and I don't want to listen. You know, I think my way's better and I'm cool with that. Um, another is, it's different, uh, a different way. We're set in our ways. I'm not really ready to change. Um, I'm happy the way things are and I really don't want any change. Thank you. An- another is, I just don't trust your way. And that may be one of the biggest ways I just don't trust. And in Proverbs 3, 5, we all know it by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. He said he'll direct your path. How God has made that real to me is like trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean, Columbus, into what makes sense to you. But in everything you do, involve me and I'll direct your path. And he's come through for me on that note. A lot of times, folks, it's not with the confidence, it's with the doubt. It's with the tears. It's with the, this don't look like it's going to work out, Lord. It's the, oh my goodness, you know, the bottom's getting ready to fall out. Maybe I should go to plan B. You know, thank you, Lord, but this ain't working out. But the Lord said to trust in him with all his heart and don't lean into what makes sense to you. But in everything you do, acknowledge him. He said he'll direct it. So, with this not being easy... With, with this not being easy, let's just start with one of the most difficult things that Jesus says. The first thing he says is, love your enemies. Now, in my mind, it's like, they're enemies because they deserve it. They got in that category, so let's just keep them there. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, somehow they got there. I mean, they were, some people worked on it. And so, you know, that's, that, that, that's where they're at. But God said to love your enemies. And then he tells us to, to be nice to mean people. And, and to be nice to people that are mean to you. And these things, folks, in our hearts and minds, we're thinking they're bad ideas. Because sometimes we're thinking that by us doing that, it's not going to change them. But the change isn't supposed to be in them. The change is supposed to be here. And we're thinking that, you know, our mission is to save these people by being nice to them. So, 
you know, let, let's go out of our way to do this. But it's not. God is working on us. He is working on our hearts, on the inside, our decision making, our things. Our, when people wrong us, we, our natural response is not to want to do good to them. Mine is to, you know, let them get what they need. You know, and if I, and if I see them struggling, you know, it's almost... God is working on them is what I'm thinking. So what we have here is a trust issue. I think that's the main thing. And people, the trust issue is deep and it's important because every single one of these people in here in this congregation today, we've been hurt. Some of us have been abandoned. Most have been lied to or deceived. Most people, some of you have even been taken advantage of. We don't trust anymore. We pack that up. That I'm not letting that out. You know, I let that out. That's going to start to hurt deep down where we don't want to talk about. So I can't let nobody in there. That is the challenge of discipleship. That's the challenge right there. That's the challenge. Am I going to be like John Christie relationship? Am I going to trust what Christie's doing, what she's saying, and I'm going to imitate that, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to make that work in my life. Am I going to trust her blindly, or am I going to start doubting Christie as the trainer being like, no, I don't think I'll do that. You know, I, I wouldn't refill them water glasses one time. They good. You know what I'm saying? Folks don't need to be drinking that much anyway. You know what I mean? Just in your mind, is that what John's doing? No, John's paying close attention. John wants to be like Christie. Jesus says in his word that a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like him. It's fully trained. That's not halfway training. That's not making up in our own minds what we want to do. That is following God's word to the T. And it's difficult and we can't do it without him. So, with, with us not being able to do it without him, in Jeremiah 33.3, if we could turn there real quick. And Jeremiah here is addressing the Israelites, and he says, I'm going to start with verse 2. It says, this is what the Lord says, he who made the earth, the Lord who formed it, established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. We're going to need him to serve him, and we need to call on him. And he has promises that he will be there. And in Psalms 91.15, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honor him. We got to call on him. If we want to do these things that seem like they're impossible, if we want to be in that trainee-trainer relationship, if we want to follow Christ, we're going to have to call on him. Because we can't do it alone. In my life, I tried to do it alone. And like Pastor said, it was the roller coaster. It was the here we go. Keep your seatbelt on. I hope I get through this one. And sometimes people thought I was a Christian and sometimes they thought I wasn't. I was undercover. So with the trust issue, 
the challenge of discipleship, what God is asking for us, what he almost demands of us, is to stop the attitude of, this is my life, and giving the attitude of, this is my life, Lord. Have your way with it. And letting go of the things that we hold dear to and to trust him completely. That blind trust that John has for Christy and trusting that he's going to be able to serve like her if he follows her. You will be done with your training when you are like him. So each one of us who are still in training. There are areas in each one of our lives, mine especially, that aren't lining up. So am I on that chocolate pudding or do I got the shovel? And that's the two areas that you are. There's only two foundations. And a lot of people, they try to get it all mixed up. But there's two foundations. There's one that's built on solid rock. There's one that's built on the clay. And that clay is going to fall. Some folks think that maybe they got the houseboat thing, so when the water rises, they're just going to float away. There's only two. One is on Christ, and one will be destroyed. You're not going to be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil, because I'm telling you, he is tricky. He's going to bring that house down. So... This, if we just take a small slice of this, can be a game changer for us. We, this can change your life, this can change your family, this can change the church. Just a small slice. Each and every day when we wake up, Lord, I need you. Give me new and creative ideas on how I can serve you and how I can show your love to other people. Help me to take my enemies out of the enemy category and put all of them as children of God. One of the things that we move to from submitting our life to him to here is my life now is the the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer made it really simple for me. And... It's in Matthew 6, 9, but if those that know it by heart, it says, Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come, and what's the next thing? And my life first. Your will be done in my life. That is hearing what God says and putting it into practice. With that prayer... I want that to be my prayer. I want that to be the church's prayer. I want that to be everyone's prayer. That hear God's word and put it into practice and not just be a listener, not just hear and do nothing with it. And Jesus knew that this was going to be a problem right out of the gate. He was talking to two people. Both of them claim to be disciples. Both people are connecting themselves to Christ. Both ones want to be saved. One wants to do the work and one doesn't. God says in Philippians 1, 6, that he has begun a work in you is going to finish it all the way. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to be with us in trouble. And from going to the challenge of discipleship, we move to 
God wants us to be disciple makers. And the Great Commission in Matthew 26 or Matthew 28, 16. And if we could turn to it. And there, there's a part in here that I read that the, the Lord made all new to me today. Or it was a couple days when I would read it. And it says, in verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey... Everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're to teach them to obey Christ like we obey Christ. And by making disciples, we are being coaches and we are encouraging. And by us following what God wants us to do and us building our house on a rock, when we talk to other people, we're seeing things differently. God has allowed people to come into my path and they've like asked me questions or problems about their life and I took a wholly different angle because God was showing me something completely different. God was showing me that the work needed to be right here and not in that situation you were dealing with. The one opportunity, God is going to create opportunities for you. If you choose to say, I will follow you, Lord. I will follow you, Lord. I will follow you, Lord. He will create opportunities for you. He will be there. The Lord said, if you call on him, he will be there. He can make us a person of grace to those that don't deserve it. He can make us a person of mercy to those that don't deserve it. We can be and show goodness to people that don't deserve it. If our prayer is every day, Lord, help me to find new and creative ways to serve you. Not just the, the, the simple ways of, of, you know, avoiding conflict, but to actually seek God and to seek what he does and to want to be that Christy-John relationship and blindly follow what Christ says because we know that we want to be like him. I know that if we scratch the surface that this can be a game changer. And the Lord has done just that for me in my life. And I, I praise the Lord for the opportunities that he's given me. And I praise the Lord for everything that he's done for me. And, and people, the one thing that I wanted to get out of this and that I wanted everyone to get out of this is take that time to get quiet with the Lord and examine yourself and say, Lord, where am I? Where am I? And that's all that I wanted people to get out of this is just to say, where am I? And then they take it from there. Because I I know where my life misaligns with what God says. And sometimes it's raising, it's upbringing, it's culture, it's the society. it's, It's a bunch of things of why I'm not doing exactly what Christ wants me to do. And I'm taking those things before him and saying, Lord, I need you to undo. I need you to do something new in me. I need I need a fresh new look at this. I, I don't want to continue to do the same things that I've been doing. I want to start doing the things that you want me to do. I want my house on rock. And that's all that I ask for that each and every one that, that the Lord has just laid on my heart is let's examine ourselves. And let's see if it's just exactly where we want to be with Christ.
Thank you, folks.